Hello and welcome back to Lack of Depth Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Began and this is our match reaction, my match reaction, to uh, Arsenal v Everton, which I think is one of my favourite games I've seen all season. I'm a bit hungover and kind of unwell, and so I'm not sure about the audio experience that this is going to be. <clears throat> but visually the match was amazing and so I just wanted to kind of talk about it a little bit I've got some notes written down that I'd like to go through I think the quickest way to do it probably is to cover Arsenal first so Arsenal came out with their full strength team and virtually just did what they they try and do every game like they had Saka high and wide Martinelli high and wide inside forward Saka outside going inside forward Odegaard trying to get in that right hand side channel Virtually the same thing that they're trying to do every week that has got them top of the table, that's what they're doing. And Everton, forgive me if I'm wrong, like they've played a cup game or something, but this is my first time seeing Everton under Sean Dyche and it looked like a match made in heaven. I'm already talking about Everton. But yeah, Arsenal, so they came out and it's pretty well documented now that Arsenal this whole season have come out and gone for the jugular in every single game. And... It's very difficult for me to not start talking about Everton when I say this, but the structure of Everton and and the lack of space and the kind of suffocation that, that Everton were able to cause just by compressing their lines so much. And it was just, it was a really good mid block as well. It wasn't even a low block. Like I know people on the TV might call it a, a low block just because they weren't always constantly pressing high. But even when Everton were pressing, it was great. It was great, and they were they were able to press and move up, and that f- midfield five splitting into kind of a a, a two three one when like, that's including the striker splitting into like a two three one when it needed to be, and even the defensive rotations. I just thought Everton. I thought Sean Dyche got this spot on, and people always ask me what I like about football, how I don't have a team whom I'm rooting for, that kind of thing. What got me into football as as an older person is the problem solving and the tactics of it. And this was a chess match and Sean Dyche won it with like objectively poor players. And that is just totally brilliant to me. So yeah, I I started wandering into Everton too early there. I I really, really enjoyed the performance. But to, to touch on Arsenal... It's the most flat-footed I've seen them play all season. And I don't want to say that to take any credit away from Everton because I th- I thought Everton really did everything perfect to a T. Um, and to a man, they were great, apart from Neil Moby. <laughs> and to a man, they were great. But um, Arsenal looked flat-footed. Um, also, as well as being flat-footed, all of the people they took off weren't amazing. Uh, I made a note of the the point at 58 minutes where they took off Party and brought on Jorginho and Trossard and both of them came on and were flat-footed. And uh, they, of course, took uh, Odegaard off and brought on Vieira, who I, I thought didn't change the game at all. And I just thought, if Odegaard isn't injured, it was unclear in the TV, but if Odegaard wasn't injured, I thought taking him off was abjectly the wrong decision. I thought it was... It, I, I just thought it wasn't... Right. I think I was making notes at halftime and I was saying that Odegaard really needed to come on 
from halftime with a a hell of a team talk behind him and with a fire in his belly and he needed to play like he was pissed off and he needed to 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 grab the game by the scruff of the neck and play direct attacking football threatening football and near the end of the second half uh, just before he came off that was starting to happen because Everton were getting uh, a little bit more, more laboured in their defensive transition. I'll go into a bit more how Everton played and and how what their weaknesses might be from this approach. I I, I completely think he's got the right approach, by the way. Um, it's just what the weaknesses might be and what other teams might look to exploit because ninety minutes is a long time to play that way. And I think you you could have seen uh, Arsenal win a game like this three now, you easily. And and Sean Dyche would have still made all the right decisions. It's just one of those things where, in the first half, Sean Dyche amassed a, a unexpected goals from direct play, fluid counter attackings, uh, out into out overlaps or underlaps. I believe those were just going on. Um, just really interesting play, as well as his usual set piece stuff and discipline and pressing and. Sean Dyche managed to amass an XG that was four times that of Arsenal's in the first half. And yet it was still nil-nil. And when you sacrifice the ball for whatever reason, whether that was the right reason or not, it was, but when you don't have the ball and the other team has the ball and it's still nil-nil, despite you having had maybe the three chances that you're going to get this game, that's when Sean Dyche starts to get worried because if, if they didn't score that header, they weren't scored. They'd had their chances. And to be honest, it probably should have been 2-0. Um, a, a lot of my notes in the first half were about how with any other striker, it's a totally different game. But when you're in a position that Everton are in, I know they spent a lot of money, but the position they're in at the table, I just having a good striker like the analysis that it takes to say like if they had a good striker they wouldn't be getting relegated that's true but also managers like Sean Dyche need to know how to get a tune out of a team without do you know what I mean amazing finishers in it and he really has seen has seemed to do that I'm trying to think of anything else I can say about Arsenal before I yeah flat-footed uninspired Arteta really needed to say something at halftime he really needed to dig them out um and I can imagine him with like a whiteboard and a balloon that he pops and all of his usual semantics, but I meant theatrics, but maybe semantics as well. Um, But yeah, he just didn't, it just didn't work. Whatever he said to them had had, to me looked like had no effect. Um, And Burnley were, were able to play some of their, some of their best football, the match in the second half, probably their truest highlights were, Obviously, outside of scoring the goal, but some of the play and the pressing from the first half really impressed me. Um, so now we move on to Everton. Uh, my favourite thing that they did was... Obviously, my favourite formation is a 4-4-2. They played a 4-5-1 with Onana moving between uh, a kind of second striker, attacking midfielder, left centre mid role. And, and he was amazing. He was he totally defined the team performance. Um so so I, I would like to say I really enjoyed that. Um 
the other thing that I'll, I'll say first, because it's on that absolute tip of my tongue, is their asymmetric defensive rotations looked so well practiced. So they had a, a, a midfield five, a four, five, and a one. And uh, Calvert-Lewin was always just kind of involved, trying to mess up stuff, but he, he wasn't kind of a huge part of the way that they were trying to mid defend the midfield. And that five, on one side, because Arsenal played asymmetrically, Sean Dyche played asymmetrically, which sounds obvious, but not all managers do it. And I just thought the way that he went about it was really interesting. He used, it's such a big team and it's such a physical team. And he just, if you watch the game back, which I don't think anyone watching this will do, on the right-hand side, it was Awobi as the wide midfielder, and then beneath him was obviously Coleman, big centre back in the right. I can't remember which way the centre backs were around. Say it was Cody, and then you've got uh, Adrissa Gay, who's the m- midfielder in the centre, and then uh, the right of the three centre mids would be Dakuri. And and this side of the pitch where they've got to one one worry about Xhaka's underlapping run that can really slice them open, and they've got Martinelli out wide. Um, that's kind of the main threatening that's happening there. And then uh, Zinchenko tucks inside on that side as well. So it's it's much more of a kind of centralised overlap, uh, cutting uh, undercutting Martinelli that they have to worry about defending. And w- what they did is they just kind of mirrored that underlap before they could even do it. And so it was very difficult to make a run into because as they shuffled over, you see... Teams that defend in a block and uh, a block of and two blocks of four do this all the time. Is that they they try and defend narrowly and shuffle over, but as they shuffled over, Dakuri just dropped, and so it almost looked like they had like an asymmetrical center defensive mid just in that half space, just when the ball was on that side. So Dakuri would drop, Iwobi would stay slightly higher, and Dakuri was just there being a physical presence, taking up that kind of a one key zone for Arsenal, and so if they couldn't use it. Well, not that if they couldn't use it, they really weren't able to get a tune out of that space the whole game because of how Dyke shut up there. Um, Adjusta Gay would drop over but not drop as deep as Dukure in order to keep control of that midfield sector, which meant that Party couldn't step up and take his pop shots and really get into the flow of the game. And then when the ball was on the other side, you saw them drop the way that you see teams uh, drop more traditionally where... Uh, uh, Dwight McNeil would drop and go with uh, the fullback to go with Saka and then go round with him because what they're really scared about is that Ben White doesn't come inside, he overlaps. And uh, they were slightly flatter in that way because Onana was really just trying to cope with uh, that Odegaard presence in that entire area. And he had the legs for it. Um he had the legs to, to 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 cover that zone and he covered it really well. And so on both sides of the ball, he was absolutely key for them. Um, I, I hope I've explained that well. It's difficult to do without images, but I just loved watching it. I, I love how thoughtful that was. And he's he's been with the team, what, less than two weeks? And those defensive rotations looked pristine. And the other thing... I think my favourite thing about this Sean Dyche performance and about what he did compared to Frank Lampard is uh, I, I don't want to 
accused Frank Lampard of um what's the word? I don't want to accuse Frank Lampard of copying and pasting his Chelsea. Sorry, ambulance just went by. I don't want to choose accuse accuse Frank Lampard of just copying and pasting his Chelsea philosophy to a lesser side. And then making it a five, and then just you know, just trying to scramble with it, overlap the the fullbacks because he said like he thinks that, that is a good way to win points or how modern teams should play, yada yada yada. Um, there's a a football manager YouTuber called Zealand, and like if you've like football, like myself, mostly for the tactical part, who, which is what a lot of football manager players are most interested in. He does this thing called, this series called Save My Save, where people who are not as skilled in the managing imaginary football team sphere as he is, send in emails or messages, and they're like, save my save, this is the situation, here's the keypad to get into it, go sort it out. And Almost always they present a tactical problem. Like, I had this one tactic that worked really well here, it seems to have just dropped off, da 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 And the first thing he says to, in almost all of the cases is, and I, I've, I've written it down just to make sure I don't mess up the quote. Uh, the best tactic, I've put Zealand analogy, the best tactic to use in football manager is the one, that's, is the one that suits your players. Uh, the biggest shift uh, for Everton and going from Deitch and going from Lampard to Deitch is going from a combative five with wing backs to a four five one with the full backs having the two deepest positions on the pitch. This also represents a proactive and physical style of central and central midfield defending that suits Ever- e- Everton's tall engine room really well. And I'm glad that I wrote that down because I would never have put it that well if I had just spoken to now <laughs> without reading it. But yeah, it was so. It was it was the team down to the T. Their fullbacks are are weak, but they can be tenacious, hardworking one on one defenders, and they're disciplined generally, uh, experienced. Coleman is experienced, and Coleman's a leader as well. He was a captain of that team for a really long time, and so being able to have him out on the pitch and give him a role that he can thrive in as this kind of. I mean, like, but the the other thing that I don't want you to get messed up is that, like, yes, especially in the first half, of all that I, I haven't looked at it because the game's only just finished now, but at the end of the first half, Everton's uh, players heat map and average, average possessions displayed Coleman and Mikalenko as uh, two of their three deepest players in the, the pitch. And if you compare that to Lampard's approach, who wanted to play wing back attacking over like overloaded and wide areas football. Sean Deitch managed to create those overloads as well, but by doing it in a way that suits the team that he's got, instead of having a weaker Coleman overlap to have numbers in wide areas, he had Onana underlap to create an overload in wide areas, which suits the player's down to the ground because they could have more quality higher up the pitch. It's like when Arsenal went from overlapping with uh, Tierney, who was underperforming at one point, um, to underlapping with Xhaka and everything just came alive because it was just having that quality. 
that that, that just suit the the team and the form and the 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 place that the the squad was in really. And uh, yeah, I just think that that's something that Sean Dyche deserves a lot of credit for because the the headlines will be Sean Dyche likes tall players, Sean Dyche likes direct football, Sean Dyche can defend, um, typical Burnley one 0 and, and that kind of stuff. But I, I, there's such a a nuance to the tune that 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 Sean Dyche has gotten out of Everton in this game, and. I was just really fascinated by it. I thought it was really, really interesting. The only thing I didn't like, and I don't actually think this is his fault because I don't think he would have ever signed Mopey. I don't like a, a, a one striker up there and it's just Neil Mopey. I think he kind of does, he does too much of nothing really, um, especially on the ball and especially in hold-up play. I think he, he went down quite a lot and you could actually see um, Sean Dage getting frustrated with him is that the ball's up in the air, 50-50, someone's got to win it and, and he never was and so he goes down but the game just kind of continues on almost like the ref's expecting that to happen. Don't want to dig him out too much but yeah, I, I think the team definitely looked better when Calvert-Lewin was on. Calvert-Lewin won something like five out of six of his duels in the first half. Aerial duels, sorry. Um, But Calvert-Lewin also never really looked like scoring so maybe they're one striker away from um consistently finishing Mid table again, com- comfortably avoiding these kind of dramatic things, and I think Sean Dyche could be there for a long time. He's also someone that will get them up if they go down. He's done that before, and so, yeah. The only other thing that that, that might be an issue is that with that kind of goal shyness in your mind, and the fact that they are in the position that they they are in right now. Obviously, after having seen every other team improve in the transfer window, you are hoping really for some of them to get worse and Everton to just, Everton get better, but they're not going to, they're not going to be Arsenal every week. And so you can't rely on that to get you out of trouble. Um, so yeah, I'm just hoping that, that, that Sean Dyche's cool, calm, collective approach pays off for Everton because I think he deserves it and God knows Everton fans deserve it because God, it's been a rough a rough couple of years. I'll see if I've got any other uh, notes. I guess I'll just talk you through my notes from the start of the game. Uh, Arsenal, flat-footed and tame. Everton and Deitch match made in heaven. Onana will be a star in this system, I guess I meant. Uh, it's enough to stay up if they start the season like this, but Dom- Dominic Calvert-Lewin's goal shyness is a bit of a death sentence. Yeah, so we're, we've covered most of that. Everton, fantastic mid-block. Again, that's just stuff I like. I thought the rotations were really good in the midfield. I thought the five worked perfectly together. Uh, the combinations in attacking play is more impressive than Lampard. Underlapping centre mids for fluid attack. Yeah, so that's that's something that I would say as well, is that the attacking football is significantly better from the Lampard era. And that's something that people should pick up on, as, as well as just saying, you know, Sean Dyche gets a 1-0. Uh, the line compression kept Odegaard quiet. He only had 20 touches in the first half and only created one chance. Uh, then we had the Zealand analogy, which of course was a hit. I know you guys all loved that one. Uh, at halftime, I said I need to see Odegaard drop deep and wide, grab the ball and create the way De Bruyne does for City. If this team is going to look like a league winning one, I need to see a brutal, a brutal winner's mentality. And right now it looks toothless 
I want Odegaard to get pissed off. Uh, then I've also wrote Awobi and Anana had five chances created in the first 45 minutes. Uh, different striker, different great, different striker, different game. Uh, for all of this, Arsenal don't look panicked though, which is important. Uh, you got anything else? Really interesting asymmetric rotations accounting for Arsenal's overlap and underlap. Uh, then it's just the Dukuri dropping into an asymmetrical 4-1-4-1 type thing. Uh, 58 minutes, Trossard and Jorginho on. I like that that was a proactive move. I didn't think it worked. thought the team got worse. Uh, quality set pieces all game. Deitch ball 1-0 deserved. Um, from the 65-ish minute point, Everton midfield looking laboured and... And diffusive? Defective? Defensive? Oh, Everton midfield looking laboured in defensive transition, opening up room for Odegaard to play. Need depth in those positions for this system. That reminds me, I do need to go see what kind of centre midfield depth they've got because one, like they need to have someone that they can bring on for uh, Unana or, or um, Dukuri or Gray because this system relies on their legs so much. And it looks like the only person they could bring on I don't they don't have any centre midfielders on the bench. Oh, it's Tom Davies. Okay. So yeah, my prediction off the back of that is um that if one of those three centre mids get mid, get injured, uh everything go down. I, 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 yeah, I think it's really this whole system is very reliant on and Sean Deitch has done really well to recognize the strengths that they have in kind of building at all imposing engine room there but yeah it, it, it would be bad if Onana especially got injured it would be bad um, and I also like I really like Iwobi in this like obviously his end product is is, is 17th level but but like Adama Traore those legs do you know what I mean uh, I'd like to see Odegaard shoot more you can't take Odegaard off if he's not injured. Trossard looks and plays like he hasn't slept since he arrived in London. Well, you know, it's good to see that I was cheery. <laughs> Very pleasant description of our boy, um, Leandro. Uh, yeah, I, um, I say him too much. But yeah, that's my match reaction to one of my favourite games of the season so far. In terms of fantasy football tips or anything like that, um. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't really consider this game much in terms of your thinking for fantasy football. I wouldn't, with all of the quality defences like Newcastle's and stuff like that, I wouldn't really consider bringing in someone like uh, Mikalenko or something. Um. So yeah, uh, onwards and upwards for Everton. Genuine prediction now, will they stay up? Uh, will Everton stay up? Let's check the let's check the table where it sits. So they've now played one game than everyone and they're one point out. Uh 
it's very tight down there. I I feel I personally feel it's time for Leicester or Leeds to go down before it's time for Everton to go down. I I Leeds have Everton have played two more games than Leeds that are on the same points though. Jeez. So yeah, you never know. Who are Leeds' gate matches in hand to? Nottingham Forest. Oof. I don't want Everton to go down, but it's going to be difficult either way. But I think... I don't know what I think. It's going to be 17th or 18th. That's what I think. Southampton are definitely gone. So, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening to our podcast. My podcast. Our podcast. Our podcast. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'll speak to you next week. Oh, and the reason why there wasn't one last week is... I'm sick now, but I had a different illness last week, which also made me sick. So yeah, thank you very much. My name is Kyle Began. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Like, subscribe and all that. I really enjoyed making this one. I love a wee tactical battle on my Saturday afternoons. Cheers.